Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hey everyone, welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Today we are reconnecting with some old friends, our friends from the literacy documentary team. And we just can't wait to talk to them again about all they've been up to since we last talked with them. And we have a little viewing of the trailer, or I'm sorry, the teaser. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's so exciting. The teaser is so exciting. The teaser is amazing. It brings me to tears, almost tears every time. I know. I've shared it on Twitter like a million times. Like, please just watch this, please. (laughs) Yeah. It's getting it's getting a lot of energy and attention as it should. It definitely and, should. Yep. Yeah. And in the in the podcast, we'll actually listen to the audio version of it to start. So if you yeah. haven't seen the treat teaser, we'll link it and then you also get to hear it in the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. And we'll just touch base with our friends, John and Nora and Nick. Um, to talk about where they are still in the process of making it happen, right? Because it's not done. This movie's not done yet, right? They are still like in the process of making it happen. <laughs> they are, they are. And today is Giving Tuesday. And so we thought what better way to give than to promote our our friend's documentary that desperately needs some fundraising. And I know Melissa, you and I um, are giving as Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast. And we just would encourage anyone who feels in the spirit of giving today to give to our literacy documentary friends so that they can continue this good work with their documentary and they'll share why it's important that it stays, um, yeah, I guess, pub, like publicly funded, I guess is the way we would say it, non-corporate funding. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's funded by, by the people. <laughs> For the people, by the people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we jump on in? Let's do it. All right. So go ahead, take your time going down and just read me those words from the top to the bottom. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're right. Um, uh, Bought, Mm -hmm. interested, knowledge, peace, euphemism, euphemism. Unless I really dig deep into this one, I don't have an answer. The answer is really hard. This seems like elementary school. I I feel embarrassed. All across this country, kids are not being taught how to read, how to read the words. This is a misunderstanding that has to be exposed, that the system works for most kids and it's those few that fail. And that's a lie. Look it up, it's everywhere. Uh, You will see over 60% of children are not reading at grade level proficiency. I was definitely hiding, keeping this secret to myself because I was embarrassed. More than anything, I felt like a fraud. I remember I was always nervous to get called on. The teacher would realize, like, who would read the best. They would eventually just continue calling on that person to read. I would always struggle. 
17 years, I taught public high school in California. I could not read, write, or spell. We've got large challenges here in America. No greater challenge than to make sure that every child, not just a few children, every child received a first-class education. The No Child Left Behind law. No Child Left Behind had us focused on standardized tests, which started in third grade. So everyone was laser-focused on third grade and beyond. And kind of what was happening K-1-2, they lost track of it. There's a notion, a belief, that kids start to read because they've matured to the point where they're ready to start reading. Not correct. The reading wars, should we be teaching kids phonics or what was termed whole language? The theory was they just need to memorize a whole bunch of words and that that's what good readers do. They say, no, it's all about comprehension. But I say, well, if they can't read the words, how can they comprehend? It's almost like suggesting that a child who was listening to Mozart all their life, you put them in front of a piano and you say, now you play Mozart. The research is unequivocally solid that phonemic awareness is absolutely critical to reach your highest potential of reading and in spelling. It's something that we use all the time when we're reading and we don't even know it. It's a lot more than phonics. It's the mechanics of how to read. My daughter's kindergarten year, I was in the classroom. I saw their teaching instruction. She had directed them away from the words. Look at the picture. Do you think it's a bear or is it a fox? It stopped me in my tracks because it was everything that I had taught myself to do to look like a good reader. If we have this data, if we have this knowledge, why does there have to be a war? When we know that the outcome of us having that debate is literally the trajectory of someone's life. If people only knew, it just totally tears you apart. This entire issue requires a grassroots movement of parents and educators who are angry and who say enough is enough. We're not done. We're not done. It's not too late. It's pretty good. We did a good job. Yeah, you did. <laughs> all of I us. Agree. All of us. I mean, all of us. It's here. It's happening. That's the goal. Yeah. It's, uh, I get goosebumps and I cry a little bit every single time I watch. I know. <laughs> John, is that your dad? No, that's just a not even related. He's somebody that Nora taught to read in Michigan. Is it? But it's your same last name, right? Yeah, same last name. My okay, father was, like was my father was very literate. Um, <laughs> I mean, he would he he would he read read all every night. Oh wow! Read three newspapers, read the book, uh, and my mother was very literate also. Um, but. Uh, I think my father read Gone with the Wind, you know, a big, thick book there, yeah. one sitting. He, he was so excited. He oh loved gosh. books. <laughs> five sisters that uh, uh, read also, and they enjoyed reading with him. Uh, and I, my grandchildren are all good readers, and their parents are good readers. So um, I'm kind of the, I, I don't know if I can use the word black sheep anymore, but I'm, I was the one that, that really didn't get it. Yeah. Oh. Well, either way, we're very grateful that you're here. <laughs> so 
We are here with our literacy dream team and uh, literacy documentary dream team, I should say. So welcome back, Lit Doc team. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we are so grateful that you made that incredible teaser and put it out into the world. It's been spreading the good word about your, your forthcoming documentary. And the episode that we recorded with you, your first episode has gotten so many downloads. I bet Melissa could read the stats off. Like, do you know them? I usually have them like memorized, but. I know, I know it was almost a thousand just in this past month. <laughs> Once that yes. teaser came out, we, we, we've had a lot of people listen. Cool. Yeah. The, so we, the foundation got uh, 65,000 uh, viewers off of the uh, YouTube. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, it's still growing. So we're excited you know, about I, that. I'm putting it in all the parent groups that I'm in. Uh, for I'm like, oh, if you're confused about what's happening at your child's school, watch this. This is this is going to be coming, and it'll help you understand. <laughs> so we're doing all kinds of grassroots uh, uh, promoting here, but we're really grateful to have you back. And we're we'd love to just hear like a little bit about where you've been since we last talked with you. I, I would share with you that the, my favorite comment from my friends and from others uh, that it's better than I thought it was going to be. It was, you know, great. And, and I guess I have the same feeling. It is, it is a, mm-hmm. a really great to watch it and see it. And, and that uh, we've captured a piece of it there and uh, we have some more work to yeah. do, but uh, Nick was saying earlier is a fantastic team that we have. And uh, uh, one of the things that we we've, we've done with our, the people that we're going to interview and, and others that we've spoken to is what would you like to, to see in it? What's necessary? What would you like to say? And I think that's, uh, that's what we're doing in, in the beginning here. Uh, we've, we talked about privately about doing something that's never been done before. And, and right now my heart's beating fast right now, because I think that's where we're going to go. That's where, that's where our, our spirit is right now to do something and say it in a way that's it's never been said before. Yeah, and so I, I want we're on the road. I want to expand on that because I really used a lot of self control to not ask Nick like, "What's going to be in this teaser?" <laughs> we, I mean, there was about forty hours of taping that mm-hmm. I got to sit in on most of, and I'm like, "How in God's green earth are they possibly?" going to put this into four minutes and oh I know that Nick is brilliant but I'm like <laughs> really are they going to be able to you know encapsulate That's it true. in four minutes so people how they did it it's just miraculous to me I mean I I cannot even imagine but we John and I have been very hands-off as far as that they are the you know the creative people that are going to get this information and without any I don't know, dilution or, or anything from anybody else, they're going to put it out there and what Nick has learned and all of that. And to me, and the fact that how spectacular it is, is, is mind blowing. Yeah. yeah There's so many things that stood out from that, that teaser. I feel like we should talk about them. And Nick, I want to hear from you because you're the one who I think knows, well, you might know like more than uh, the average, uh, hopefully, <laughs> you know, more than the average person at this point, but what stood out to you as, you know, as you were interviewing, as you were like, what was going through your mind as y'all were, were creating yeah, the it. teaser? Um, a couple of things. Um, first of all, it, it was an, 
look, to do these things at this caliber, it would be absolutely silly for anyone out there to think um, that any one person's genius outshine anybody else's. Like <laughs> if it wasn't for a vision and a tenacity that both John and Nora have and connections and stuff, because this is not my world at all. And I'll be dead honest with you. I'm sort of, I, I play, I've stay in one very small lane and that lane is having lots of conversations. And mm-hmm. I, a lot of times do it with a camera around and I have great team of doing research and I'm just sort of like, I'm like Barney Fife, like just trying to figure this out. You know, I'm just like sitting there going, <laughs> well, tell me more, you know? And so it's, it's incredible. I mean, my editing team and my editor is a saint. I mean, I just shove hard drives and hard drives at him and I say, look, <laughs> I, we are not nearly Michelangelo, but the only thing you can carve in that marble is what's already in there. So here it is. Find me, <laughs> find me, you know, David, you know? And so, and he does it, as you can see with just that teaser, he does it uh, spectacularly well. So, I mean, I've learned, I think most importantly that like, this is, um, this is a real issue, right? And it's just, I think the thing that's so mind blowing to me is that how can this be a real issue? And, and I think there's gotta be probably the thing working against this cause the most is just it's incredulous. Like there's, there's no way, like you can't convince me this is really happening. You must be some sort of zealot. There's just (laughs) whatever. Right. And it's like, it's bizarre that we would, that it would be happening in, in all around us in everyday life. And no one else is really talking about it until you get into these seemingly small factions. I don't think they're, they're not that small as far as the number of people involved, but they are smart, right. small compared to the percentage of the population. And of course, mm-hmm. a big part of this is, is, you know, shame and regret, right. Which is stopping a lot of people from even joining that conversation. So I think those are probably the most mind blowing things I've learned. Um, of course, I mean, many a tear has been shed just to just heart to heart conversation, just seeing how much it hurt somebody. Yeah. And, you know, we all have things I think we can point back to in our past that like it cut us to the core but most of those things, like they might have, they might have lived on for a lot of these things. They might have lived on mentally with you, but it, it, what you know, you moved on past it. Well, this, you can't move past. And there are certain other things. If someone chops your arm off or, I mean, <laughs> right. there's many things you cannot, you know, you cannot move past, but this is definitely one of those that if you don't get the help you need and, and how crazy it is that how many people think they can't do it. I'll, I'll say one more thing and I promise I'll shut up. But um, when I, we were interviewing David, you know, the early sixties mm-hmm. gentleman who's at the beginning of that teaser. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was so, on our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I can just tell you from dinner, the first and second night to where he got to within a week is a completely different human being, like a com- different human being. Like he, yeah. something in his brain clicked that, he had been telling himself for 60 something years, he just couldn't do this. And he was so, so much negative self-talk so much. And it was incredible to see like live. And we have lots of footage of that. Like this, like, like, uh, like pain and baggage, like being removed from his face and body, like in, in real time, like literally looks like a different person at the end. It's crazy. I, I never realized the amount of weight that certainly that I didn't, I wasn't sure how anything could have much weight on somebody, but far less reading. So, yeah, I know. And we just can like, relate to David. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We remember we, your story from had the same journey. I would <laughs> yeah. like to also add uh, to uh, when I'm listening to Nick, I'm saying, 
There's a fellow zealot. There's a fellow zealot. <laughs> yeah, he recruited him. Got it. He got it. He has a passion for it, and he has the creativity to put it out there. And I think that I think also this is perfect timing. I mean, uh, just think about the show that we're on right now, Love Literacy. I mean, it's it is a perfect time for us to to create this uh, this uh, documentary, and other things are happening. And uh, and I just think that uh, our challenge, I think our challenge is to find the uh, the words uh, that don't push people back. Uh, we're we're not we we don't intend to blame anybody, uh, mm-hmm. and and at the same time we have to use some we have to as Norris say we ruffle feathers sometimes, and uh, I think that's the uh, and I I do believe teaching uh, after listening to. To uh, Nick, there, I, I believe that among other things, teaching reading is an act of love. It saves people's lives and it changes yeah. people's lives. Even like David uh, and and John Corkin had had a, a successful people in life and functional people in life. Um, it's it's a biggie. It's a biggie. Now I've said it a thousand times. When when uh, uh, I learned to read, it filled a big hole in my soul. And I think uh, when we teach. Uh, the, uh, 93, 95% of the people in America to read, we're going to fill a big hole in America's soul and deal with a lot of a lot of the problems that we're we're talking about today. In, I want to uh, piggyback too uh, of Nick and what he said as far as this trauma that is so deeply seated. And last, I actually just had a conversation today with David, and he's like, you know, people just don't get that it doesn't just disappear. And I had a teacher after they watched the um, the trailer, the teaser, who said, you know, <laughs> what was really shocking to me is I have been told and I believed all of my life that, oh, we're going to send them on to the next grades and they're going to get it there. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to me that they then become adults and they've never got it. Right. And I shared that oh. with David and David was like, where do they think we're going to pick it up? Like on right. the corner or <laughs> fall into our head? How's that going to happen? And, and that was really eye-opening to me. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, I mean, I, not to say that I knew everything that was in that teaser already, but like, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked to John, we talked to David, we knew some of the the actual stories that were in there, but it was still so powerful for me watching it. Like Lori kind of said, like, I kind of tear up every time. And I think what you all did was like the personal stories. And like you said, how it affects people was just um, like, (laughs) you know, you connect to them. So, so deeply um but also like you nicely packaged it with like the big picture too right of like this is a Mm -hmm. (laughs) big systemic problem right not a one teacher did it wrong or like something like but this is a big big problem I'm just wondering if there's any other um like reactions that you all have gotten from people who have watched the teaser have you heard any things similar different I'm not going to lie. I looked at the YouTube for like thumbs up and thumbs down. You have definitely way more thumbs up. Yeah, so that's, thumbs down at all. Who's thumbs downing? I, well, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I saw a couple of thumbs downs and I thought, who are the thumbs downs? And I thought it's probably, I mean, Nora, Nora was probably doing the same thing. It's like, I, I'm making an assumption. Maybe it's like balanced literacy advocates who are don't yet know and that's what I keep thinking I'm like okay well at least they watched it and thumbs down it and you know and so at least they've got the that in their brain because I do feel like 
it registers. I mean, even if they're not ready for it now, it's like you're going to plant a little seed and along the way it will register. So I, I even thought the thumbs down were just fine. Like they're, we're going we're gonna to convert them to reading know, science. <laughs> the interesting thing with that too, and John can, can expound on this about how people say, and, and I know they've said it to John, I've been there when they have, oh, you were li- lying. You're just doing this to sell books. You're saying you couldn't read. You really couldn't. And what's wonderful, yeah. oh. Nick just sent me, <laughs> Um, David and I are going to be presenting his story at Plain Talk, the, the literacy conference, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. But um, he, they just made a little video of the first minute that David was reading. And then the last day, the first minute of that last bit, and I showed it to David and he says, I'm so embarrassed for the first minute. He's like, this is excruciating to watch, which was even excruciating for me because I thought my heart was going to break in 10 pieces. But then to <laughs> see literally what happened and how he was reading as well as I could read. And you cannot deny video evidence. You just can't. And, but it's hard to believe I get that with people. It's like Nick says, it's really hard to believe. How could this even be so? Um, And, but it is. And it's so, I just had another call this week from a 40 year old, very successful business owner who got a really huge award from Apple and it requires taking some classes. And she's like, I almost want to rescind it. I mean, it's a very (laughs) prestigious award. She's like, I need help with, and I've known her for years. I've known her for six years and she's been too afraid to bring it up to ask for help. So I'm going to start helping her on, on Wednesday. So well, that's amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of trauma. I want to share a, a bit of my human uh, ism here. When I see, uh, I think of like a few thumbs down. I said, I want to know where are these people? I want to talk to them again. I want to know what, what, why didn't you get it? What, what, but it's just, it's just a few people compared to, to yeah. hundreds of people, but it's just kind of that instinctive thing to, yeah. to be yes. we're not, oh, Listen, John, we're not going to get you an Instagram account. Okay. You're going to stay <laughs> off Instagram because I hear that people are even worse on Instagram than on YouTube. So. I, can, I can tell you the number of times when you said that, Lori, it made me laugh because John and I have to, he tells me every thumbs down and we talk and he's like, what, about? what could they possibly, how could they possibly do that? I I laugh at it. I have to stop looking at all these things, but like we have a film on Amazon that has 1,343 reviews and has 4.9 stars. And it's like 1,389 or five star. (laughs) And there's like five of them. And you find yourself after a while, like you're just, you're literally, this is how human nature works based on negativity. Like I'm just (laughs) scrolling past hundreds of people who've left five stars to find the jerk who wrote one star to see what they have to say. And it's just not worth it. But I think what I've tried to come to the conclusion, and this is a great example of it. Like I don't know someone's story and what led them to the point they are in their life. So the best I can do is try to show them alternative, try to show them, you know, my biggest thing is trying to add, you know, heart and hope to every story. And so I don't come at anything with, you know, with just, vitriol and, and anger because it doesn't help at all. And so yeah. I, I know some of those people are just, they're really mad because somebody did something to them in their life. And I, I can't undo that, but at least I can maybe try to show them the truth. So I try to ignore those people, but it is, it is hard. It's very hard to ignore. Yeah. Those. Human I, nature is real. <laughs> I have a, a story. I was, um, I attended a memorial service for a teacher friend of mine. Uh, and uh, he was a very popular teacher, and he also was a principal. And uh, the the church was full of people that went there to celebrate. And uh, it's it, a lot of my uh, teacher colleagues uh, were there, and I haven't seen them for years. 
And uh, it was really a kind of a nice reunion. I, I was the person who announced that I was a teacher who couldn't read. I wasn't really the favorite son for a while. You know, uh, teachers have enough uh, bad mouthing for me to share that story. But a, a, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, I thought he was my friend, but came up to me after the, the funeral. I hadn't seen him in 25 years. And he asked me, we shook hands and, and uh, he asked me why I hated teachers. And I'm like, what did I say? What did I do to, to have him to have this perception? Because I, you know, I told my story basically. And we were there, we were all there to respect a fellow, a colleague, you know? And so this, this perception that somebody has and, 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 uh, the importance of of telling our story without pushing people out, you know, and I, I feel like those people that are thumbs down, you got the wrong, you got some wrong information. I want to correct that, you know. Uh, but uh, I uh, that was that was really an interesting experience for me and my 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 family, my sister, my sister in law, my brother in law, my brother, our, our sisters. They're they're teachers, so how can I hate <laughs> teachers? You know, yeah. And and uh, and I think that's probably uh, we've got some thin ice that we walk on when we when we tell our story here, when we do this documentary. You know, it's 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 challenging, and and we we're we are going to have to. We are not going to be able to really uh, fix the problem without talking about the problem. We have to we have to really articulate what's going on now. And uh, I, I've heard from, from so many teachers and Nora also uh, that they weren't educated. They didn't, they went through college and they were never took a course that that taught them how to teach a child, a teen or an adult how to read. And I think that's, if there's anything that I hope we move uh, with this documentary is that. Um, yeah. Right. I we'll say agree. like we were, we were taught, but it wasn't right. If yeah. that, you know, if that yeah, makes yeah. sense, like we weren't actually taught the right stuff. So the things that they were teaching us, it was almost like we had to unlearn and then relearn. Um, but it's hard when you think that you're doing it right. And, but then right. you don't see results. So, you know, in your heart, it's not right. You know, you, at least I did. <laughs> Melissa, and I think unlearning you did too, right? is harder than learning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funny because I actually saw a video on Instagram <laughs> since you brought it up um, of another science of reading advocate who was basically saying that she's like, I've heard so many people say that I'm blaming teachers and I'm bad mouthing teachers. And she's like, this is not what I'm doing. I'm like, I, it's the whole system, right? It's the, it's what, how teachers are being taught, what they're being taught, how they you know, what, what curriculum they're given. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. It's not the teacher's choice necessarily, um, oh. but you know, teachers it's are hurting. Teachers are suffering. Yeah. So, and you know, I've had just recently too, like three conversations in this week with from superintendents to administrator types that are like, we're teaching six different programs. All of them go against each other. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> the poor teachers, <sighs> poor children. Everybody's got to be skipped. Who are working hard. So then they, <laughs> what, what happens is we just pour more on top because we think, well, this isn't working. So let's, you know, dilute it down a little bit more with some other things. And they're desperate, but not knowing really what to do or even, you know, what direction to go in a lot of times. So teachers are, sure. kids are hurting significantly and parents, but teachers are too. I, I think, I think we're saying 
talking about how important teachers are, not oh, yeah. how unimportant they are. I think I think it's critical in what we're 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 trying to do for teachers. I, I feel like I'm I'm a an advocate for teachers. I'm an advocate <laughs> for good teachers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the distributors. We gotta we gotta give yeah, them the yeah. right thing to distribute, yeah. right? And so exactly. if if I'm you know a food distributor and you give me you know lettuce with salmonella, it's I didn't create the lettuce or the salmonella. I just distributed it. So we've got to give them the healthy things, the right things. And oftentimes we know it's I. This is another one that I discovered in in sort of this. Of course, if we've been doing something one way or we've had a belief system one way, it is very hard to change our belief system. But I think even harder mm-hmm. than this, the, I have talked to, obviously, it feels like a thousand teachers now, Nora has more <laughs> and more lined up. But, uh, it, you know, and there's also people have, have talked about a level of guilt that I had never considered that they actually mm-hmm. feel responsible when they admit the fact that they didn't know the right way. And they were, you know, zealously trying to teach with the other methods, like trying to do the right things. They're, they're, there becomes inevitably a realization that, wow, how many kids did I teach the wrong thing or how many kids did I fail? And I think that that's a really, I think that's an unfair question to ask because you're just doing the best with what you knew. Um, If you knew it was wrong. And quite frankly, the harder part is if now the data is being shown to you and you continue, I have a different level of judgment for that than I would for like, if you didn't, if you didn't know it existed, well, Mm -hmm. now you do. Let's try to get you the tools you need in order to help you correct the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And if not the teachers, the people making the decisions for what the teachers are teaching. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too, Melissa. I'm like, sometimes it's not the teacher. It's the the system. A lot of all the time. It's not the teacher. It's the systems. Like if the district, for example, my daughter's district uses um, the teacher's college reading, writing workshop, which the report came out that, I mean, there've been multiple reports in the past, but one recently came out that it's like the worst of the worst ratings in, in terms of alignment to science of reading across the board. And we're still using it. And so I feel like, well, what's the plan to switch now? Like now that we know and we've known, but now there's even more evidence, you know, if you just turn a blind eye that's malpractice. I, I don't know what else to, to say. <laughs> you know, I, I think what we, we've done, we've institutionalized illiteracy unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And we have to dismantle it. And we, we, we have to be able to articulate what we, what we want to do. Also, I think Nick it cracked the door open for me uh, to bring uh, to the, uh, the attention. I, I think that it is really time for us to quit using the term learning disabled to to define humans. I think we have to get it out of the out of our brains and off our tongues. And uh, it's it's just one of those little things. Uh, and we we aren't disabled. We're able with proper instruction. And the power of the power comes from from the teacher. And 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 that's not you're not doing your job. It's like this is the reality. It's it's not you know that that is uh, institutional. That's contaminated. It's toxic. Uh, I escaped that. I didn't personally experience it. I I was uh, labeled someone that sat in a dumb room, uh, which is you know probably nicer than being learning learning disabled. But it, it's always something wrong with the learner, and I think mm-hmm. it's it, that's really something that really has to shift. And it's not that complicated. 
Just consider that. Everybody that's listening, just consider that word and, and what it means. And and I sometimes I say, well, test it. This is the way you test it. If you're a teacher, uh, how do you feel about being called uh, uh, teaching disabled? You know, I mean, how is that? How's that go? So anyway. I, I think that even that umbrella term and all of the things that come out under it, dyslexia, ADHD, on the spectrum, all of those things have the perception, whether we are doing it consciously or subconsciously, that it's the learner's fault that they're not reading, mm-hmm. when really it's the, inst- the fault of the instruction. If, if they're not learning, then what do we need to do differently so that they are? But we've had this thing, and it's universal, you know, from the teachers we teach from coach to co- or coast to coast, is that they're not learning, but they have this or they have, no, they don't. They're doing this and they're doing that, and they need instruction that's different so that they're doing different things, and then they'll be reading and writing and spelling. But the mindset is so deeply entrenched, and there's so much of a, you know, co- coercion around that, and that might be the wrong word, but surrounding that word of like grabbing onto it. And yes, this is what, this is, this explains it, but it really doesn't. The whole thing, like John says, not you're either reading or you're not reading. You're not reading, you need to learn how to read. The solution for all of it is the same thing, reading instruction that works. That's I, I think one thing that's sort of hard to process too, and again, it's, it's not a blame thing, but it's interesting that I think unknowingly some parents who also don't know how to teach their kids how to read, right? Like we, we don't know, we weren't taught these things either that when you're that frustrated, sometimes it's, it probably feels like a lifeline when there's a diagnosis, like, Oh, it's not my fault. You know? And so I think that's a very interesting thing that I thought through too, that, you know, all of it can be dealt with, with proper instruction. And again, let's admit that, you know, for any teacher, especially, you know, I'm sure every age is hard teaching, but let's talk like five to seven years old, like making 20 to 30 ducklings who are very differently made do the exact <laughs> same thing at the same time, thinking that the same methods are going to work. Like even that alone is just sort of like, that's pretty funny that you might even think that that's even possible. And so, you know, but we, we all, we just all have to do better. And now that we know that there's things that work, um, that's great. But I would encourage parents, you know, uh, first of all, it, it isn't your fault. Like that's okay. But let's not grab onto these labels as, as a lifeline because they really end up in a lot of cases hurting more than they help. Although I do think that those labels, I think that maybe if we can find beauty in, in the curse of those labels is perhaps they identify underneath them. There's some traits that that child might share that if we, we can now go find a learning system that might be appropriate for them. One sure. of the things I think, I think we do when we're frustrated, the parents or advocates for uh, dyslexia, whoever it might be, we create myths. And for me, a myth of dyslexia being a gift. When we look at people, children and teenagers that are thinking about suicide and some of them that are, are committing suicide. And when we talk about the grief, the trauma, that uh, we are witnessing uh, uh, as you interview people, Nick, it's not a gift. It, it mm-hmm. is not a gift. And it is, it is a, it's a burden <laughs> to, uh, to, to struggle with learning how to read. And, and mm-hmm. I think the other thing is, and, and because we've, we've been talking about not blaming, it's like, are we blaming somebody? Well, <laughs> I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the universities right now uh, and the universities need to be challenged 
and they're they're the ones that are the ones that are doing the instruction and they're there's they're the ones that are are not serving the teachers and uh and i'm not saying i i i, I don't want to say blame i want to say wake up guys yeah i mean you're a piece <laughs> of this you're 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 a critical piece of this yeah. uh in 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 terms of the solution here and uh and you can't you can't uh you can't hide I want to yeah. I want to give a, a shout out because we're talking a lot about like oh it feels a little heavy and I understand <laughs> that but uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Angie Hanlon. Angie is was a principal um, and she just this year became a superintendent in a school in Missouri, Minnesota, Missouri. I'm pretty sure it's Missouri that had 13% proficiency in third grade five years ago. Three years later, they were 93% proficient. And she literally turned, she and her team, obviously nobody does anything by themselves, turned that school around. And she texted maybe a month ago. Um, she's now in Wisconsin instead of, she's, you know, as, as a superintendent. But those third graders were in fifth grade last year, COVID year, and their state testing in fifth grade, 100% proficiency, including all wow. special ed kids. So this yeah. is what's possible when we, you know, when we're together in, you know, problem solving and moving forward and, and doing that, did they get from 13 to hundred percent in the first year? No, but five years, including with COVID for a year and a half, they did, including every single special ed student. So that's, what's possible. And she's not the only one. There are other people doing that. So there's roadmaps out there that people can follow, you know, to get, to get those kinds of results. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's incredible. Maybe we need to talk to her too. Put her on the do. list. Yeah. That's the exciting part is that, you know, for we're planning to interview the folks that you interviewed on your documentary, but hopefully we can sit down and have a really intimate conversation with them and go a little more in depth than what we get to see. I don't know. How long are you anticipating the documentary being? Not like 17 hours, right? Like, are you, are you thinking a no. series? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean a series would be fun. We just—that's a whole other level of funding that I, I don't think oh, we're okay. going to crack. Uh, but seventy-five to ninety minutes is where where we'll end up, and so it will it will make the problem credible. Uh, it will also show that there are you know, there are multiple solutions. Again, there's no one size fits all, but there are multiple solutions that when they have the right ingredients, they work. And so, yeah. and then like you said, we're making it personal. I mean, I think the biggest problem with most of these issues is we remove the people from them. And the moment right. you insert the people, you realize, oh, wait a second. I mean, look, this has been happening in holy wars for thousands of years. The moment you sit across from somebody who breathes like you, looks sort of like you, talks sort of like you, needs food three times a day or like me, like 10 times a day, whatever it is, you know, like you you start to say, wait a second, like I, I had a had an issue with that thing, but that thing really doesn't exist when they're in front of me. This is just another human being. And we might not, we might not agree on certain things, but we, man, we agree on a lot more than we disagree on. So okay. we're going to bring it down to the level of this is someone's dad. This is someone's daughter. This is someone's mother. This is someone's, and, and we've all been in those relationships and go, Oh, wait a second. This is just another human being. And I cannot deny their experience. This is their, and we're showing their experience. So like, I, I can't, I mean, and when you see there's many tears, I, mean, I forget the older gentleman's name in, in your office, Nora. Corcoran. Um, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. That's Dan. Yeah. And, and just seeing how, how shook up he got about talking about this experience mm -hmm. of spending most of his life 
feeling that way. You can't deny that. I mean, you know, I can, I'll, I'll go on under oath anywhere you want. I'll go before a firing line and say, we paid no one to act <laughs> at any way, shape or form. And quite frankly, there's no benefit to anybody to admitting these things. Right. I mean, right. I hope we can right. change that conversation that it would be, uh, it will be a prideful thing to do. It'll be a, it'll be a celebrated thing to do to admit, Hey, I, you know, I want to change that conversation because I, I do believe that the, the shame and guilt is probably the biggest, it's probably the biggest factor working against this problem is how few people are willing to stand up and say, yep, that was me or, or it is me right now. It doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the stage, like let's create a campaign that celebrates those people and then helps them find instruction. So, cause you can literally change your life. It's mind blowing. Yeah, for sure. that's so important. So we're, we're curious, speaking of the documentary, what needs to happen still to make it a reality? What are you all working on now? We are working on a lot more interviews uh, <laughs> in a lot more states. And, uh, you know, really, it just requires funding. And these things are to get the to get the caliber of story time that we have there. And you saw four minutes. And I think it took I don't I, I'm, I'm going to make a rough guess here, but it's probably 100 hours of editing for those four minutes. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. like that's beyond the flights and the hotels and the meals and stuff just to get, and to get the, you know, the caliber of, as, as you saw the way. So there's, there's a gift that my crew has in this of David, a guy like David letting us into a very vulnerable part of his life. I mean, and lots mm -hmm. of the Nora, many of the people made him comfortable to do that, but with cameras on him without feeling like we're, we're, taping taking advantage of him without yeah. feeling like we're stripping him of his dignity well he's gonna let us in and so to you know for me it's funny that my crew is all insanely talented but finding insanely talented people who you can put in these situations and everyone's comfortable or as comfortable as you're going to be like it's like finding unicorns and so you know we got to get all these right people in the right places at the right times and, and we're a really good ways in that journey i'd say we probably filmed about half of what we need but it seems like we need about another half and then okay yeah nora says no yeah okay got it so <laughs> we got more than that really. so, so uh nora runs that whole side and i, I let her do her thing and uh and then we have a lot of editing. It'll be uh, my best guess is probably 16 weeks of editing. So, and that'll be 50 hour weeks, 50 to 60 hour weeks at, at wow. you know, 16 weeks. So it's just a lot of work and I got to pay everybody. And while, you know, look, uh, we, we, I, we're certainly careful with how we, we spend. Cause we don't, we're not, you know, uh, we don't do anything glamorous. I mean, we're not staying at five-star <laughs> hotels. I can tell you that, but I also believe in paying people a fair living wage. Not only that, I believe in, you know, these, the people who I work with, they're, they're competitive. I mean, they, you know, there's other people vying for their time for eight weeks at a time and on major television shows and movies. And, right. and my job is to say, this is more important. Come with me. And we win that battle. We get there, but you know, we do have, they also have families to feed. Sure. Well, yeah. please thank them for us. Please do yeah. that. And uh, I know that there's some fundraising information that you all can share. And Melissa and I are hopping on to make a donation because we so firmly believe in this. And that's why I'm you know, thank you all for your hard work. But Nora, would you mind sharing some of the fundraiser information, like where we can find uh, the links and things like that? And we'll link it all in the show notes. Yep. Um, we have a website, thetruthaboutreading.com. And on there, it says gift right up at the top. Um, and you can just donate directly there with one one click and 
and you're in and you could donate. We've had, I was actually looking at our list of donations. We've had anywhere from $2, which we appreciate very much, to executive producer level, which is $25,000 um, that we that we have had. And every single thing, including $12, which Jen's like, $12, that's interesting. So everywhere, <laughs> we love $12. We love any kind of dollars. So we're happy about that. So we are open. What we're really, we've been mindful about is, is having the fundraising be grassroots so that really all of this documentary, as far as what is going to be in it, you know, yeah. leading the Nick to the people, but then he and his team, it's not, you know, um, influenced by any outside source at all. Mm-hmm. And, and for John and I, that's really, really critical to, you know, and Nick just, you know, he'll interview somebody. He's like, mm, there's a few questions. Let's find somebody else that knows this information or even that has this other, you know, and then that's, I, tried to go out and see about finding those kind of people, but mm-hmm. to, to get to the bottom of it and get to the truth. So the fundraising, um, John and I are not fundraisers, but we have been working really hard <laughs> at it. And so we are in that grassroots mode. We have people that are interested in executive producer level, and we have a, a packet that we send when people ask about that. Um, but on the truth about reading, that information is all there. We just created a um, information and fundraising packet that has all kinds of great stuff in it. It's got the timeline and it's got, you know, all kinds of information about the film and it's got fundraising information and a whole bunch of pictures from the filming and everything that's been happening so far. So that's a great place to get, you know, a bunch of links all in one place. Um, so really the easiest thing is to go to the truthaboutreading.com and click the button and, and donate or put it on your fundraise on your own, like not fundraising, but Facebook page or Twitter or all of those kinds of things and share with your, if, if you feel passionate, you know, about this issue, which a lot of people do share this with your network, share this with your, you know, friends and family, you know, and others. And we do have people too, that uh, John and I have been talking to just recently that they're going to gather some people to, as a group, get together and be executive producer level donors. So that's creative. I like that. Mm-hmm. Nick, can I ask you a question? Can you articulate, and, and maybe this is a Nora question, so I don't want to slight you, Nora, but can you articulate why it's important um, to do a, I don't know what to call it, like a private fundraising versus a, cor- a corporate fundraising? And forgive me if that's not the right language. And also yeah. forgive me, John, if I should be asking you as well. I don't want to leave you out. No, well, I'll speak to you. Look, I mean, there's clearly... I think it's not fair almost. I mean, we have cognitive bias, all of us do. So like, I think it's not fair ever to say nothing's biased. Right. And we didn't, but I certainly have cognitive biases, but I'm trying to approach the story from like, Hey, let me learn. Sometimes people will say something and I'll be like, let me ask someone else if that's really true. And I'll go, like I was talking to a guy at Stanford the other day. He's like, that's really cute, but not true. I was like, all right, well, can we mm-hmm. talk about that? Because what I don't want to do, obviously we know no matter what, it's going to be uh, somewhat controversial just because of the nature of the issue and because yeah. of the the pieces at stake. But what I don't want to do is put out something that gets immediately deleted or laughed off the scene because it's like, oh, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's, that's, Number one, that's 100% false and not even possible. Or this is just a zealot, you know, who's really excited, but not, you know, but this is not good science or whatever. And so, you know, I mean, you, it's very hard to ensure 100% of that, but we're doing the best we can to talk with, you know, people with different opinions, people who are, I mean, I'm trying to talk with people who are scientists as well, that not just reading people like, Hey, how does this work? I mean, it's so funny how, Universities, I mean, they they advocate for science and and the ev- 
evolution and evolving processes of things, yet they don't insert them in certain other places. But so it's just trying like, to get like to education all, fields. <laughs> right. It seems like that. It's, that's a, it's a hunch I have. Um, but so it's just, just trying to get to the right people who can, uh, who can passionately yet credibly share with me. And even, I mean, I want to interview somebody who says that's not true. This other method we've been working. I don't know if I can find anyone will say it because the data shows not, but like, I want to show, look, how about this? So anytime someone tells me that will never, ever, 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 ever work, I go, mm, let's get someone who could tell me how that might work at some point. So there's got to be someone out there that's, that is willing to say, hey, this system because clearly it works for some percentage of kids. We've seen that. And so here's how and when this will work. So that that's okay. We just now know that it, it doesn't work for more people than it does work for, but like share with me how it does work. So I can say, okay, that makes sense. So it's not just a, Hey, this is all crap. This is trash. This, none of this works. Cause like people, I would imagine, I don't know them, but I'm going to approach it as people with good intentions started these curriculums. They, they were trying to help children to read. Most people, don't go, I want to make a billion dollars. I'm going to teach kids how to read. But, you know, so it, it, and it's, it's systemic, right? It's over time. It's just sort of gotten baked in and all those other things. But I want to talk to people on both sides because let's, the more we can be fair about it, the more people can make up their own mind. I think the good news for all of us is that the data is pretty clear on what's right and what's wrong and what's, what's fair and what's not. But if we don't, if we don't allow sort of all factions to at least say their piece, then mm -hmm. you get written off pretty quickly because you, you intentionally deleted them from the film. The other mm -hmm. thing about, you know, I'm a storyteller, so I get, I do get to shape and mold the story. And so I'm trying to be fair about it. But if someone says something that I don't believe is fully accurate, I can, I can very easily have my editor. I had someone behind it that I think is accurate to discount their points. So it's sort of like trying to call and argue with a radio show host. You're not going to get the last word. So like we definitely <laughs> get the last word, but I try to do it fairly. And what we don't want to do is we don't hear the biggest the biggest tragedy of this is that it would be written off in any way, shape or form and funding right. being one of them. Like, Oh, this was funded yeah. by this thing. Right. So this is garbage. And, and we just don't want that because that would be literally, I, I feel responsible for the future lives of, of millions of children. So anything I can do to protect those kids, like that's what we're trying to do. And I do want to say too, as far as we're not saying we don't want corporate stuff. We actually have a corporation that, that was brought <laughs> yeah. to us, but you know, Nick is very insistent and John and I appreciated this from the beginning that this, you know, if you donate, it's not like you have a say in how this is going to be you know, yeah, we're not going to interview you because you donated. We're not <laughs> right. gonna, it's yeah, you're not going to tell us how. And that's and I was very honest with John and Nora too. I said like, if I have something factually wrong, or you know, I got a you, I didn't realize you were picking your boogers in the background or something. I'll change that, like no problem. But like, to, true to the thing, when we showed it to the the small group of people that first saw it, I said you're going to see it with them for the first time because I want you to see their reaction to it. And they, you know, they trusted me to do it. And and you know, look, we're we're all after the same thing which is helping kids. And so if we can all trust each other that that is our main goal, then let's just let everybody do their jobs. And that's what I, I, I didn't, I didn't see that the very first cut of that reel till 
I don't know, 12 hours before John and Nora saw it. Like I just said, Hey, <laughs> you do your thing and just let me know when it's ready. And I said, Oh, I want to change this, this or that. And he's like, okay, cool. I didn't realize we had that. Cause he was, you know, certain things that I would remember after he poured through and however many sleep with stays, all of the footage and interviews, there's yeah. certain things that might've been lost on him that he's like, Oh, got it. And so, you know, but that's, that's teamwork. That's how we work together. So that's, that's why the funding is important to us that, Hey, people who want to contribute, we're not offering profit sharing. We're not, cause that's not what this is about. It right. is about do, do you, are you passionate about the cause? Are you interested in supporting this film? And just for me, as it is for you donating your money um, and I'm raising money and doing everything I can to, to help, you know, I'm seeing where the story leads. I don't know. Right. I don't know. If I told you what the final movie is going to look like, I'd be a liar. That's why I do it. <laughs> I'm sort of addicted to that. It's like, let's see where this goes. I don't know. Yeah. And and we'll let the, we'll let the chips fall where they do. That's been interesting too, to see the unfolding of it where it, you know, it's kind of like this winding river that is, it's like, Oh, we were going that way. And now it's going this way. And this is interesting. So it's like this big surprise party. Every, you I, I wanted, I want to put in a, a bid. Uh, when we were watching the, the uh, teaser, I went back to my, and I visually and emotionally felt uh, the little eight-year-old that, uh, was told for his first six years of his life that he was a winner, John Corcoran sitting in the dumb room. And, and I was thinking about all of those millions of little boys and little girls sitting in the dumb room, whether it's physically or psychologically or emotionally today. And, 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 I, and, and I'm thinking about reaching out, like I, I was feeling just a joy that yay we got we got we got people listening to our plea here mm -hmm. finally so speaking from the little boys experience and and this idea of of asking individuals for five dollars or ten dollars or twenty five dollars or a hundred dollars put it in there for us give us give us the voice not only listen to us but be a part of this adventure uh, and, and I, uh, I think it's, I guess, psychologically, it's like, uh, somebody's hand out to, to lift you up and out of that, uh, predicament. And it is a traumatic experience and, and, uh, it's still with me. I, and I, I lived in some pretty tough neighborhoods. I survived that. And I, mm -hmm. I've done a lot of things, but it's still emotionally when I listen to Dave, that's and we I talk to Dave and we talk about our journey and our pain and our frustration. And also, I want to want to uh, comment about uh, people that I was also a, 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 a delinquent in school. too. I was really disrupted the, the system. And when I uh, when I hear uh, people say little boys and girls and teenagers that can't read or having trouble, they they misbehave. And uh, and I just I just want to remind them, teach us to read and we will not be so crazy. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. So crazy. Yeah. 
and, Melissa, and do you- share a couple of bucks with us to make this thing happen. Put your fingers <laughs> on it, you know? We will. Uh, we're we're going to put our money where our mouth is for sure. I mean, quite literally here. So we're going to do well, that. I wasn't talking to you personally, but. No, I know. But <laughs> if it rings a bell, okay. <laughs> we want to be good role models. John, you've been so inspiring. I love your stories. Sure. I feel like every time you talk, I'm like, oh, it's story time. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, we uh, love having you all on, and I'm sure we're going to have you on again once the actual documentary is out (laughs) in a few years. Um, But just wanted to close this out. We usually ask for a piece of advice, but that doesn't seem like the right thing to do here. So we're going to ask you to close this out with each of you telling us um, what's your hope for this documentary. I'll go first. And I know Nick had to bounce out, but um, for me, my hope and dream is a highly literate society where if you can speak, you have learned to read and write and be full participants in, you know, in a literate society. That's my dream. We are leading, this is, this documentary is a beacon to lead to that. What are you thinking about, John? I'm thinking that I'm, I'm, uh participant in a miracle and I get to I get to experience it and witness it and enjoy it and uh, the experience is also being around uh, and maybe maybe I'm getting older uh, <laughs> and uh, but I really want to surround myself with good people uh, that are good for me and good to me and uh, so I get I'm experiencing that which is fantastic. Um, and, and my, uh, my, uh, my wish is that I just, I just hope, um, that we can discern this. People can discern it. Like, like I was thinking about one of the things going back to raising money. I was thinking about those thumb down people. I really want a contribution from them. You know, not only do I want to change their mind, but I really, or see what I see. I really want them to, you know, just a buck. You know, just to change it. Uh, and so those are my, like, I don't just want to change your mind. I want no, to change your mind so it. much that you're a believer. You're like, you want to be Ted Lasso is what you want to do, John. Exciting journey, <laughs> and, and that we we really can. We we're we're people of goodwill, and uh, we gather those people of goodwill, and we can move the mountain. We can we can do extraordinary things, and uh, I want this film to be a piece of that. And I think it's I think it's on the way. I think we we've got we have we're connected with so many good people like yourselves of integrity and and really a passion for doing the right thing and improving the quality of life for for everyone. This is a civil rights, a human rights. It's an education yeah. issue, uh, and uh, we're we're on a we're on a we're on a journey. Love so it. funny. I was actually um, doing for my real job, um, I was doing some research about Frederick Douglass today and it was all about, not, not all about, but so much about reading, right? And the power of him being able to read. And he mm-hmm. he fought for that right for people wow. too. And I was like, man, look at that. Hundreds of years ago. <laughs> I, I know that Nick left. I do want to speak something real quick um, in honor of him. And yeah. John and I, um, John actually submitted um, a Medal of Ellis Island Medal of Honor Award, which is the most prestigious award for immigrants that's 
you know, that there is in this country. And I'll share with you guys actually the um, application that shows because what Nick wants to do always with everything that he does, and he does a lot of things, but always what his focus is, is to make a difference in the world. And he and even some of his film people, when we were out in Hollywood, when the when the teaser was um, premiered, you know, they said of all the years and all the works and the dozens of documentaries we've done, this is the most important. So um, I'll share that Ellis Island, um, you know, the, the submission for, for Nick. So you can get a glimpse of how serious he is about making a difference in the world and making a difference in the literacy world. Absolutely. So exciting to when, I, when I started learning to read, they had a little pamphlet on uh, Frederick Douglass and he became my hero immediately. Mm-hmm. His struggle, his own struggle to escape. Uh, he, he credits reading, learning to read uh, from, from yeah. uh, escaping uh, slavery. Mm-hmm. It, it made him unfit to be a slave, mm-hmm. learning to read. And he also, uh, he was an orator also, and uh, and he had shared his story uh, and he had to quit telling his story because people weren't believing that he could be so mm-hmm. brilliant and, yeah. and a slave. And uh, I I was related to that at the time is because I, <laughs> I started telling my story publicly. So. Frederick Douglass is certainly one of my heroes. Well, this is amazing. I feel like I need like a a talk with you all like once a week. If we can (laughs) put that on the the books, you're you're wonderful and we are amazing. The work you're doing is amazing. And like, please thank Nick's team and and everybody behind the scenes who are all the invisible, uh, you know, do-gooders behind the scenes. Thank them for all of us and the literacy community here. We're very grateful. Well, thank you guys for having yes. us, for sharing the sharing the love and spreading the word. We appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And we will we will definitely keep you posted on uh, everything you know around this episode, and and we'll make sure that we elevate who's coming on from the documentary because we <laughs> cannot wait to talk to them. Like now, that I feel like oh my gosh, I need to talk to Faith. Like I just like whipped out a notepad and started taking names. I'm like, I need to talk to all of them. (laughs) (laughs) They just were so inspiring. So thank you for, uh, for, for everything that you're doing. And for everything you guys are doing. It's great. Thank you. We hear you listen to every episode, John. Do you listen? Yes, I do. I'm (laughs) listening to them. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm really appreciative of, Te- listening to teachers and parents too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Cora's mom. Critical people. A, yeah, John and I talked about Cora's mom, Katie. Oh, and yeah. Oh, I'm like, wow. Yeah. Hide behind that rock. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yep. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Very early on. There's so many, there's so many Cora's and there's so many more moms, right? You, can avoid it. you know, you guys said too, as far as unlearning is so much harder than learning for teachers, but also for kids, you know, they all guess and unguess. So yeah. we can do it. We can get the teachers from the outset and we can start teaching kids in a classroom instead of this being an intervention thing and starting from the outset, we got this, but it, it takes a, you know, not just a village. It takes a whole country and world <laughs> movement movement. Sure. movement is what we're aiming for. Well, thank you for being part of our literacy movement, and we're grateful to be part of yours. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right. Thank have you. a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Thank you again. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening, literacy lovers. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. Yep. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Most of them are at Literacy Podcast. Yes. And please, please, please reach out to us. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com is our email address. And we love getting emails from you all. And <laughs> Lori we and really I really read them. Yeah, and we, we really, really respond. Fun. We just love, we love when you all reach out and we, we get to have conversations with you. So please, please email yep. us. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're thinking about literacy, what you're thinking about. Ideas for us to podcast about. Yes, ideas for <laughs> podcasting, anything. We, we love to hear from you what you liked, what you want. Yeah. We're here for you. Mostly y'all are asking questions, which is great. Yes. <laughs> we don't mind that either. Yes. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. Thank you, everybody.